Okay, let's let's start. Welcome everybody. Amen. Been blessed time so far, hasn't it? Yes. Amen. Only the blood of Jesus can satisfy. Only the blood of Jesus.
page 67. If you know the story, the man that wrote this had to have some connection with the Lord to say these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea
WSF Church and School website if you have that. If not, you can find the lines online as well.
If anybody's listening to these tapes, I, I've noticed something. It, it's, it's quite amazing because there, there was a little bit of trying to order who was going to preach. And I am so glad that it got ordered in the way it did. Because it, this, this whole convention has been, we needed the first line to understand the second line, to understand the third line. And now I'm going to bring it into a very, I'm going to try to bring it into God willing, help me Lord, to bring it into a very practical application for us in everyday life. Because Brother Dan started off with the doctrine of Christ. Real clear picture of the doctrine of Christ. And then John Sheever got up and actually gave us a, a real understanding of how that's applicable in our lives. New creatures, not the old. You know, I, 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 I'm not as bold as John is, but I, 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 uh, you know, I, I'm a sinner saved by grace. How about you were a sinner saved by grace? I, I kind of like that. Yeah. You're righteous in him. Then, Dan, then, uh, then Joe got up and I told him he must have been reading my notes because he got into the personal aspect of being a supplier and growing up. And now where I want to go is the importance of a hearing relationship with God. And I want to, uh, and, and, uh, and I'll tell you where this, this originally came from. There's David, David, uh, that's David DeGloria. Um, and I about, I don't know, it must have been six or seven years ago. We were traveling on the Northern Tour with Brother Buddy. And his brother Buddy, one of his lines was always, you need to hear and obey. You need to hear and obey. You need to hear and obey. Faith comes by hearing, you need to obey. And, and uh, you know, for a lot of us, uh, especially the older ones, and what I'm going to do, at least the first part of this word, is going to be the young ch to the young children. Right. Now, if you consider your young children, it's going to be for you. Yeah, thank you. Because David, David said, you know, John, said so we 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 hear this. We need to hear. We need. We have a. We can have a hearing relationship with God. We can hear God. And nobody gets up to explain it. And he said, I got young people in my classes or in the classes that are coming to me and saying. I don't know what you're talking about because I'm not hearing anything. Because sometimes when, when we use uh, our, the vernacular of, a, of the English language, we identify with, I'm hearing Brother John now, and I can hear God the same way as I'm hearing John now, and somehow it comes across as if I'm hearing words all the time. So we're going to try to examine this from a teaching standpoint this morning, from what it means to hear God. And, and I want to, and, and Joe's, I want to go to De Deuteronomy 4, because Joe's ending there last night. Uh, and, and I think it's imperative for all of us to, to understand that the only life we have is in a hearing relationship with God. It's the only life we have. It, it's not in hearing preaching, okay, as good as that is. Uh, and and if, I could, if I could say this in a way that, that it doesn't sound contradictory, your learning experience of, of walking with God takes place after you leave these meetings till you get to the next meeting. 
Your learning experience doesn't take place here. What you do is you get the Spirit of God speaking to us, and then He wants you to go out and apply it in your life because experience is going to give you knowledge, not hearing. Word is going to give you knowledge. As good as that is. As good as reading the Bible is, as good as listening to tapes, and we, you know, a lot of us do that on a consistent basis, but it's so imperative that we understand what it is to have a hearing relationship with God. And it, it comes in many forms, as, as we shall see. But I want to start here in Deuteronomy 4, because one of the things we see in the garden was that Adam was in a hearing relationship with God. As a matter of fact, it looked like a casual hearing relationship with God, because God was walking around in the garden speaking to him. And the word of the Lord came to Adam walking in the garden. There was a... There was a Adam, this, this relationship that he had with, 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 uh, with God was God's intent right from the beginning for you to have a hearing relationship with him. So God finds a people, and we see this in Deuteronomy 4. And uh, jump around here just a little. Deuteronomy 4, 30, uh, 32. For ask now of the days that are past, which, we, which were before since the day that God created man on the earth, and asked from the one side of heaven unto the other whether there hath been any such thing as this great thing is, or who hath heard like it, did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of fire as thou hast heard and lived? Has this ever, the people of Israel said, has this ever, God came fire on the mountain and he spoke to them, and he, and he heard them. And they said, has it ever been, ever, ever been heard? That there are people that heard from God. One of the first words that I remember coming when I first came into this move was a, a, an understanding, and I remember it being preached, that as a born again, filled with the Spirit, I can hear from God. You know what we were taught in the old religious structure? As the, pre, the priest heard from God. You know what Israel's taught? That their, that their leaders hear from God. You know what the, the Muslims are taught? That, that their leaders hear from God. Well, what God wants you to understand is you can hear from God. And you know how many of us understood what that meant when we first heard it? Nobody. Because it has ever been heard that God would speak to a people and they would live. It's, 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 what, a, what a privilege. I don't know if you can fathom the idea of the eternal God that made heavens and earth that, that, that encompasses all things, wants to have a relationship with you, but not just a relationship that is not a personal relationship where you are, He's speaking with you. And as we go along, we, 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 we all of a sudden realize there's ways in which God speaks that He doesn't even use words. I'll give you a good example. I think it's over in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. Declare um, day after day utter speech. The whole creation speaking. That's God. That's God speaking. So that we're not excuse. How many of you realize? How many realize God speaks? Because see, what happens is, is there's a there's there's these two things we call ears. These two things we call eyes. That you can actually see and you can hear with this and this and not see or hear. Because what God has to do is he has to open up the understanding of the heart. And he has to open up your ears 
And he has opened up your eyes. And blessed are you, for your eyes have seen and your ears have heard. And lots of times, it, uh, as I said, this is going to be, the first part is going to be for the young, young people. But some of you might be, uh, you, some of you might be hearing God and you didn't even know you were hearing God. And, and, and through this, I, I, I'm hoping that we can see there's a lot of things that we're hearing. Because, you know, what you're hearing now is me preaching. And I love what, what he said about the milk of the word. There's nothing, we need milk. Yeah, right. Right. And that milk of the word, if you start exercising it, this is found over in Hebrews 4. I'm going to try not to exhaust you with scriptures. If you start exercising it, that, the exercise that you're doing of the word that you're hearing will turn the milk of the word into the meat of the word. Amen. It's the same word. But as long as all you're doing is feeding off of somebody else's revelation, and you're not exercising yourself, at times you should be teachers, having another teach you, because you're not exercising in what you're hearing. And you, I don't know if you knew the, know, know this or not, but the Spirit of God, and we'll get into this a little bit, the Spirit of God actually is, is speaking to every single one of you as, as, you're, as, as the Word's coming forth, if your heart is open to it. And if there's 200 people in this room, the Spirit of God's got the ability to speak 200 different things. Because He wants to speak directly to you. It's a personal relationship with you. Oh, you got to hear this Word that was preached. Well, you got to have the Spirit of God teaching you what is, is being taught. Because when it says you don't have any need that any man teach you, but the same anointing teaches you, it's the Spirit of God that teaches you. It's the anointing that teaches you. And what you do is you say, okay, God, I give you myself over to you for, for you instructing me and teaching me. And when you're doing that, the, the, the Spirit of God is now, is now the voice of God in you. And then you take it out and you experiment with it, for the lack of a better term, to see how it works. Because word as it comes across the pulpit is only theory. And the theory may be correct, but your understanding of it might not be. So what God does is he takes you away from these places of instruction and he wants to give you a real life experience with it where he can actually speak to you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and he might not be using any words. He just might be using your experiences. The, the, everything that you're doing, if you're giving yourself to God, is giving God an opportunity to continue to grow you up into speaking. And it doesn't matter whether you're watching, washing dish, dishes, you're, you're running a business, you're ice fishing. Where's Rev, hey? And, and, and as, you know, as, as, as you're going to see, some of, some of my greatest, my, some of, and I, and I would venture to say most of, my, my greatest growth experiences were in places like trap lines. It, running a skitter in the bush, pulling down trees. And, and, and you, got, you, you got the Spirit of God right there to, to talk to you and, and, to, and to speak to you. And, and, and the joy of the Lord could come into your life and it's all God speaking to you. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. This has ever been heard. So go to we're in Deuteronomy 4. Turn the page. Deuteronomy 5. 
In verse 4, the Lord talked with you face to face. In the mouth of the midst of fire, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up to the mount. Now drop down to verse 23. And it came to pass, when you heard the voice of the mist of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that you came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes, and your elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has showed us His glory and His greatness. We have heard His voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God does talk with man, and He lives. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of our Lord God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and live? And, and this, is, this goes to what Joe was talking about last night. Go down near. Moses, you go. You hear what the Lord is saying. Speak it to us and we'll do what he says. Historically, at this point, what you see is a transition from the purpose of God to speak directly to the people Face to face. Face to face simply means personal relationship. Yeah, right, right. That's, all, that's all it means. Well, all it means. And from that point on, God was, and, you know, I, I never like to represent what God does. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever, when you're preaching, thinking, well, if I was sitting and God was sitting there and I was preaching, what would you think about what I was preaching? <laughs> I always think, think that about Paul. Yeah. I could just imagine Paul in our midst, and you're turning to a trip to a You're in this, and put, put the apostle Paul said, what? Paul said, I said that? That's not what I meant by what I said. Where did they get that from? <laughs> but, what, when, but from this point on, God then uses mediators. We see this in Hebrews. In times past, God spoke to the, uh, by the prophets, mediator. God wanted to speak to them face to face. They said, no, we'd rather have a mediator. Okay, okay so let me just go one more scripture here in, in, uh, in John. Because this face to face experience, remember Paul says that we see through a glass darkly? But then what? Face to face. See, that's. It's, it's a progression of God bringing us back to where he wanted us right from the beginning. He wanted a man that he, that he could speak to, like we saw with Adam, that would, would, would be led by his voice. Would be led by, led by his spirit. That's what he wanted. Right from the beginning he wanted that. And yet he gave, he gave man an opportunity and man gets the opportunity and said, no, we'd rather have an, an, an intermediary. We'd rather, you go get the word and, and you preach. The word that I got for me will do you no good if the Spirit of God does not speak the same thing or something similar to you because you're going to live off your experience with God, not mine or buddies or, or even Jesus's. I mean, as, as great as the entrance of a relationship with God that he gave us through the cross, he did, who, who said it yesterday? He didn't do that just so we could get born again. 
He did that so you could get back into a hearing relationship with him. And that the Spirit of God could move you and he could guide you and he could, and, and everything that we do. And, and so the people said, no, give us the mediator. So go over to John chapter 5. Bible will work here. Where are we at? John chapter 5, 25. John chapter 5, 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. God's understanding of you having life is you hearing His voice. That's a living relationship with Him. A living relationship is not just going to church, following all the rules of the church, taking the doctor. And it's, it, you know, it's a great thing. So the hour is coming, and, and they can hear because he wants us to do a hearing relationship with him. Go over to Romans, one of Brother Buddy's favorite chapters, uh, verses in chapter 10. And just give a, uh, and like I said, as, as part of a teaching, which. <coughs> Okay. <clears throat> when we when we read this uh, faith cometh by hearing passage, let's take a take a look at the context of this. It says in verse fourteen. Uh, okay, verse thirteen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how how then can they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, but beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who had believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay, the first point I want to make here is that what this scripture is talking about contextually is that the first time faith was quickened in you was when you heard a preacher preaching it. How could they hear without a preacher? The preacher comes and he, he, he quickens faith in you. Through, but it's not the preacher, it's the anointing that's in the preacher. It's the Spirit of God that's in the preacher. I remember the first time I heard Brother Sam I was, I was uh, at, at best a carnal Christian, still in high school. And I went to one of these services, and, and I, am just, I, I am just awed by the way that the Spirit of God can get into our hearts, even in our, in our carnal state, and quicken things to us that we never knew He would quicken. Sure. See, young people, when we talk about hearing from God, and, and take a look around. How many people here have heard the audible voice of God? Okay, we got one, two. I got my hand up because I think I heard it once. See, what we're not, what we're not talking about is God audibly speaking to us. Those, those times are so few and far between. I had, when I was about five or six years old, I had an experience where I heard a voice outside and I, 
I looked around. I, I couldn't tell you today whether it was the voice inside or the voice outside. I couldn't tell you, but it was a voice and I heard it. And it was audible words. We get that every once in a while. Okay? We do get we do get that. But that's not, you know, and, and I like Brother Bill says, you know, God's not like a parrot sitting on our shoulder constantly speaking words. Oswald Chambers points out God spoke to Abraham and then 21 years later he spoke to him again. <laughs> But being a man of faith, i got to believe that during the 21 years, as we talk about today, there was a God speaking to him by the witness of the Spirit of what he was supposed to do and where he was supposed to go. And this scripture here, even though I believe it is applicable, that we need to be hearing God in order to, to live, faith comes by hearing the word of God, that is not what it's talking about contextually here. This is talking about one of the ways in which God uses to give you the word of God. And, and as you, you hear it, you witness to it. And I remember hearing, I was going back to Brother Sam, I remember he got up, he preached on uh, um, Eliezer and, and Rebecca and Isaac, uh, and Isaac going looking for a bride. And I sat there, and my, and, I, and my dad, God bless him, he made us read the Bible every day. I got nothing, I mean, what are we reading this thing? I get nothing out of this, nothing. And I'm sitting in this meeting in the same state of mind. All of a sudden, this man is preaching this word. And I, I remember thinking, why didn't I see that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's something in the pride of man that wants to get it only directly from God. But God's got a way. He's got apostles and prophets. The, the, the foundation of apostles and prophets. And what he does is he brings these words and all of a sudden inside of me, I was just so excited. I mean, you know, and, and if you knew me in high school, you, you were excited. <laughs> well, because, I, man, there's, there's, there's something else to the Bible that I've never seen before. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. How many years have we been doing this now? I think there's still things in the Bible that we haven't seen before. Yeah, and, we, and we've got a God that wants to reveal in his time. Hearing from God, but Doug McLean, I don't know if you ever remember Doug McLean. He preached the word here, he preached the word when he was with us, and he said, God is not obligated to speak to you. And I'll tell you, that's that has stuck with me because sometimes we treat God as a servant, that we go to him, we ask, and he's gotta he's gotta answer. And as we go along, there can get a real religiosity for with hearing from God so that you get this mindset. And we've had, I've had people that we've lived with. They couldn't do anything without telling you God told them to do it. God told me to go to Thunder Bay. God told me to buy this. God told me to buy that. God. And you know what? If you, if you ever get a mindset that when you pray, God's got to answer you. And we've known ministries that do this. Like they, they get so... Um, they get so bold with it that it's almost like God has to answer them. Brother, Brother Sam said, I don't know who these, how did he, God, people, I don't know who these people are that hear you from God all the time. <laughs> Sometimes it takes Brother Sam three years to get about. I tell you, it's a safe thing because you know, what David understood was that when he prayed, God heard. Underline. You want to put that in your notes? When David prayed, God heard. Yeah, oh, I think there's one place where he said, and he answered me. 
And the good thing is we have a God that hears. And he and you've got that to give it up to him. I mean, what a comfort to know that God hears. Don't think he has to answer you because if you do, sometimes you will come up with the answer yourself and think it's God. Yeah, yeah, it's uh so and and the other that was in a meeting here not too long ago and, and somebody said God is always speaking. So I, I called him up and I, I said, you know, I want to evaluate this. You know, what do you mean by God is always speaking? Because I because I, I think if I were to say that in a way in which I was preaching it, I would probably get a lot of amens. But I don't know what you I don't know what you would be amening. Because it's not like God has got words going out in heaven all the time. He's always speaking. And somehow you're picking out these words because God's always speaking. Okay? Yeah, I mean, you've got a bunch of examples. Um, was it Isaiah? He left. Was it, he ran from, from uh, Jezebel. Was that a, no, uh, uh, Elijah. Yeah. Elijah runs out in the desert and, and, and uh, you know, what was this? What, you know, why did he do that? Because he didn't have a word of the Lord. Then he got to this mountain and he still, he still, God, I'm, I'm all by myself. Okay, so then all of a sudden you got big roaring wind. Oh, there's the voice of God. No, voice of God wasn't there. So when we talk about God is always speaking, if you go out into creation, yes, he's always speaking. There is a way in which that, that can be understood. The Spirit of God is with you. He's always speaking. Yes. But don't understand, and this is where you, you, you young people, don't get this idea that all of us are just hearing words all the time. Because, because that's, you know, that is not, that's not reality. It just isn't. Even though God can do that at times. So the, the, first, the first place we see is God speaks through preachers. Then in the, we also see God speaks through creation. Now also we see God speaks through angels. Let me just give you one example of that. There's a no, number of them in the scripture. Exodus chapter 32. No, Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. It's terrible when you can't read your own writing. My, Julie just had an operation on her knees. Some of you saw And the, the doctor was not able to uh, come in and see her. So he wrote down this huge thing of notes to tell her what he did. So he gave the notes to the nurses. And the nurses came there and said, well, we got these notes of what that you did. She said, well, what do they say? She said, we don't know. We can't read it. <laughs> so then she said, here, you can try. Julie, Julie, I, said, I can't read it either. <laughs> okay, this is, the, this is the burning bush experience. And I want you to see how this is explained here in Exodus. In verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Verse 4, and when the Lord... When the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him out of the midst of the bush. 
Now, what was God using to call to him out of the bush? An angel. Because God uses angels. Matter of fact, a lot of what we hear, a lot of what comes our way comes from angels. That's why the scripture in 1 John says we need to try the spirits. God will send angels, and he'll send angels in a way. I had this experience once, and this, this kind of lumps it all together of being able to hear from God. I was out on a work site, and if you, if you, stay, if you stay sensitive or you have your life in a way in which it, it can be directed by God, God might use you as an angel. And I was, I was on a work site, and I was, uh, it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon because I looked at my watch. And if, if you knew Jim and I, and Jim was around in those days, if we, you know, we went to work at 6 in the morning. We worked till 6 at night. We came home, much to our wives' dismay, every day, missing supper or whatever we did. And it was very uncharacteristic or unlike me to ever leave the work site early. But I'm, I'm sitting on this work site. I'm about a half a mile from uh, the main highway in, in, uh, in, in Ontario. And I got this vision that there was a, and, and I got this word, there's a man on the highway that needs a ride to Uppsala. I got a vision of exactly where he was, and it wasn't that far away. And, and so it, 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 was, it was something that actually I knew, yeah, it was quicken, right? So I got in the truck, I rode out to the, to the highway, and I, I was about a half a mile to, to, from where I had that vision, and there was, a tr there was a van on the other side of the highway, and as I'm driving up to the van, this native gentleman walks out of the van to the other side of the highway and puts his thumb out. Now I'm going, what should I do? <laughs> so I pulled over and I picked him up. I said, he said, we just had a broken fan belt and I need to go back to Upsal and get a fan belt. Okay. So I'm, you know, now here's the mistake, young people. I know none of us old people that would do this. All of a sudden, I'm making way, way more of this than just go pick up this gentleman and take him to Upsala. Because here we have a native that God is probably going to turn the hearts of all the natives in Northwestern Ontario <laughs> through John Basiligas hearing from God, taking him in a missionary to, as, as a mission, and I'm praying, okay, God, what do you want to do here? I think if, if God was sitting next to me, he said, I want you to take him to Uppsala. <laughs> but halfway there, he said something really interesting. He says, you know, children are really, are really uh, what was the word he used? Are really innocent. They just believe. And I got the impression like there was a little child in that van that was praying that God would send somebody to help. I got all the way to Uppsala, nothing happened, nothing dynamic, didn't save all the, the Nishkanabi in, in Ontario. But I watched him, I said, I'm really interested in this. He goes in, and this is, if anybody knows Uppsala, this is an impossibility. Number one, that he would get up first, get a pickup first. He goes in, they had the fan belt. <laughs> he got the fan belt, the first person he puts, he goes back, I look at this, he Shaking my head, and I, because we have a God that is concerned about little things. I, I told Brother Bill this story, and, and I've never told this before. I don't know why. But last winter, 
I had two days where Doug Kieserbrink wanted me to work on a lever. He needed some help. Two days. My schedule for two days, my schedule for two days was I worked from, uh, it would have been uh, about 3 o'clock in the, in the afternoon to 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so I went out to work, and, and it's only two days. And about midnight, I had a choice. I had another pile I could limb, or I could just leave. And I looked at another pile, I said, you know, I'm just going to leave. So I leave, and I come down the highway. I'm, I'm coming down the highway, 12 o'clock at night. And I hope I don't cry when I do this. Coming, coming down the highway, 12 o'clock at night. And, and, I, and I come around, and there's a van off the side of the road with its lights out, and a woman standing outside the van. So I went down, and I turned around, and I came back, and I said, hi, do you need some help? Yeah, she said, my car just stopped. And she said, I'm trying to get CAA. They can't come. They can't do anything. And she had a little baby with her. And it, it was cold. So I called 911. I called them, and I said to them, uh, I've got this girl on the highway, and she needs some help. And uh, they said, well, we don't have anybody we can send. And I said, you know what? I'll take her home. And then she's, and the person said, well, who are you? I said, well, I'm John Bassling. I'm a pastor in the church. And she's just about, she's just about faint. I don't know. She gets in the car. She said, i got to tell you something. Now, where she stopped, if she would have broke down another five miles west or another five miles east, I never would have seen her. See, i got to tell you something. She said, CAA, so I just prayed. I said, God, would you please send somebody? And she said, well, you said you were a pastor. Boy, that's the love of God. You know? How often does this happen? Very, very, very little. Wait, I, I called, you know, God bless you. I called her up. I said, I'm bringing somebody home with a little baby, and they need a place to stay tonight. And I, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, we, we serve a God who cares about the little things. You got a little girl, and I told her, I explained to her, she, she talked to me about, about church and everything the next day, and I explained to her, I said, listen, the, the chance of me getting to you, I had, this is only two days that I've had this, I, I was supposed to be working another, there, there, there's a divine hand that's moving in our lives. That he wants to give us experiences like that to know that that it, it's not third feast revelation Ezekiel temple that we have to understand. It's just to understand that he's got a, a way in which he just wants to speak to us yeah. and in our everyday life. And and and, and when, when we do that, we open ourselves up to God using us in ways in which we just marvel. We marvel at the wisdom of our God. Uh, you know, who allows these things to happen so that he can touch somebody else's heart. Yes. And as Joe was saying, he wants you, he wants to use you. But you gotta have a hearing relationship. Right? So the next one I want to do look at is the Holy Spirit because turn over to John chapter 16, because this is probably the key. 
to our hearing relationship with God. I'll spend a little bit of time on this one because it's, it's so important to realize that when Jesus left, what he was going to do is he was going to provide the Spirit and he's going to speak to us. John chapter 16, where are we? John chapter 16 and verse 12. In verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever shall he hear, that shall he speak. So today, and it says in Hebrews today, if you will hear his voice, as the Holy Spirit says, if you will hear his voice. Okay. Now, the, and, and I, would, I, I would venture to say that a lot of us can identify with this, that the probably singular most common experience we have of hearing from God is the witness of the Spirit in us. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. yeah. yeah I, hope, I don't know if you young people can, can, can grasp that. There's a, and, and, and there was a word... John, John, uh, John Schieber ministered a word in uh, Lewis, and, and in the middle of that word, he, he mentioned that, that Abraham heard the word of God and it resonated in him. Then Jeff Joyner got that, and, he, and I don't know if any of you know Jeff Joyner, but he's a, a college uh, professor, and he took that word resonate, and all of a sudden, I got what I consider to be, and I've been looking for this, an explanation of how you describe the Spirit of God speaking to you, resonate is probably the best word that could possibly be used. Because resonate is, is, is an actual it's an actual feeling inside of you that's the Spirit of God speaking to you. He's speaking to you. The Spirit of God speaking to you. And it resonates. If, you, if, if, if anything that you hear that comes across the pulpit resonates, it's the Spirit of God that's speaking to you, and it's God speaking to you. Because God speaks with angels, God speaks through, through the creation, God speaks through the, through the Holy Spirit. And, and, the, and He's given us the Holy, the Holy Spirit that we may remain sensitive to it. Because He wants to speak to us. I had, uh, I had an experience in, at the time... Uh, and and uh, <coughs> I'm going to use John Sheever again if he doesn't mind. Because I, 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 I'm such a simple person in a lot of ways that when things are happening and, and things are happening to me, I relate in a way in which, my gosh, that was God speaking to me. Okay. And as much as I, you know, as much as I've spent time in the Word and want God to speak to me in, in that regard, I've learned more from just natural experiences. I was on a trap line one, one time, and this happened, I could give you a number of different stories, and you probably all can too. I was on a trap line one morning, and we, had, uh, we were on snowshoes, and, and our snowshoe runs were pretty long. Um, and in those days, we were way, way up north. And, and Anyway, so what I did was every morning, when I got, got up, I got my, got my associate, I got my backpack, I got my gun, and I set out. Because one morning I, I hear this voice I, I, inside me, don't take your gun. So I kind of, I'm going to get out there, and it's going to be a, a grizzly bear from Alaska found its way, and I'm going to This is in the middle of winter, lots of snow. 
Don't take your gun. So I'm going out the door and I get it. Don't take your gun. Well, I took my gun. What, what, what's it about obedience? We're going to learn something here. We're going to learn something here. So I get down I, and, and uh, we, we were trapping beavers. And, and we, we would get some really big beavers. And I get as far as I could go on the trap line, right to the end, and there's a beaver house there. And I chop open the hole, and I pull out this 40-pound beaver. And I'm on snowshoes. I'm not putting it in my backpack. But what you do is you take a nail, a 4-inch nail, you put it through its nose, you wrap a string around it, and you pull it behind you. And so I got that. I said, well, this is going to be And it pulls real easy. And as I'm pulling it real easy, I put my gun on my... My, my, my shoulder, and all of a sudden the gun's falling down. And I'm, I'm 10 feet, the gun's falling down, and I might have used a couple of expletives. Oh my gosh. And all of a sudden I heard, I told you not to take your gun. <laughs> Maybe some foreknowledge in God, eh? Yeah. And, and, and these things happen. I was with Bill Ritchie when he came out to the trap line once, and it was getting. We were still in open water, and we we're getting ready to to uh, close up everything because it was going to start to be freezing. And I'm coming down the lake with him. It's getting dark, and and I'm feeling. Go check this this trap on the other side of the lake. And I I told Bill. I said, uh, Bill, I'm really feeling to go check this trap on the other side of the lake. He said, Well, oh, the reason I was telling John wanted to bring up with John is. Before I ministered this word in regards to my beaver gun, and I'm thinking, well, this might sound pretty silly to mature sons of God. <laughs> but thank God there was John Cheever who had an experience where he was going home and he went to the grocery store and he felt to get some vegetables. And he ignored the voice and when he got home, he got in the house and uh, who was it? Gerald? Gerald said, I got the meat. Did you bring any vegetables? <laughs> and I think what you said was, I'm still not yet sense enough to hear this, the voice of God. You know, if we only apply the voice of God to super spiritual religious things, then we're going to miss it because he's doing this every day. He would rather build an experience with us on everyday experiences like that where he's leading us and guiding us so that we know we have a God that's concerned about the littlest things yeah, yeah. rather than being able to expound all the deep mysteries of the kingdom of God and not have any have any life you ever, you ever, there's a thing I called uh, that I call convenient hearing and, and I, was, I, I was concerned in, in a lot of years of a religiosity that, that was coming that that would that would uh, that would want to apply hearing from God in, in in every every case, and we actually had people who would come in and say, "God has spoken for me not to put any more sugar in my coffee." <laughs> Problem is, they couldn't get along with anybody in the community. <laughs> and my question always was: Is did God speak to you to get along with the people in your community? <laughs> I don't remember Fred Vanderhoof. God bless Brother Fred. I love that man. He, he had a family come there at, uh, at Headwaters once, and, uh, and, they, and, and I don't know if it was the, the husband or the wife, but they said to brothers, Brother Fred, Fred, we've got a work schedule, and this is where we're going to be on it. 
And the person said to Brother Fred, God hasn't spoken for me to be on the work yet. <laughs> Let me tell you, Brother Fred's the wrong guy to say that to. You know, do you remember what Brother Fred's answer was? Did God speak to you to eat? Oh. I'll give you one. Because <laughs> knowing Brother Fred, okay, I got a scripture for you. If you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, it's, it, and, and, and this is, you know, where, where I'm going next is, so, you know, I'm hoping this is helping somebody. Yeah. Because they're, 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 as far as we think we have gone, that's probably a good way to put it, we're still learning every day that God is interested in simple things. Yeah. Uh, and he's interested in leading us and he's interested in guiding us. Now, in some cases, and I want to be clear about this because... I've had a problem, and I'll just, this is kind of, I'm thinking out loud now. You know what that means. I'm not, required, I'm not responsible for anything I'm about to say. <laughs> but I, I've had a problem with this idea that I lost my glasses, and I'm praying to God that he would find them for me. And in every case when that's said, the glasses get fouled. Now, I've looked at that and I said, well, I think what you have, because we all have angels that are around us. And I could be wrong, but I don't think the eternal God of heaven got off his throne to try to search for your glasses. But your praying is being heard by angels. It's being heard by the Holy Spirit. We don't pray to angels, but as we're praying, the Spirit of God then can direct the angels, hey, go find his glasses. Now, that's just as much hearing from God as if God himself got off his throne. But you even see with the, the, with the uh, prophets, the prophet Daniel, he prayed, and it says, and, and who did God, you know, if the prophet Daniel is not having the eternal God get off his throne to speak to him, then let me tell you something. Neither is John. Okay. We've got to put this in the right perspective. But there was a man that was sent to him in, in fine linen. And he had a word. He said, your words were heard, Dan your, your words were heard, Daniel. And God sent me to tell you. Because God uses intermediaries. But you know where God is heading to a face-to-face -face relationship with us. But we've got to pass these, other, these smaller tests first. So that we don't, we don't, make, make a, we don't misunderstand what's actually taking place. And, we, and in everything we can give thanks and we can thank, thank God for finding my glasses. And I don't really care about the doctrinal thing of whether it's an angel or it's the Holy Spirit of God. Or, I don't really care. Yeah, I just want to find the glasses. Yeah. Well, you know what? Because my, my wife has been on me on this and she can't listen to this. And... And, and one day I was at, at, at our conference center and I lost my teeth. I lost my teeth. Teeth. Let me take them out so you can hear it. And, uh, well, I'm in a pickle because I can't pray to God to find my teeth because I'm, really, I'm not really wanting God to take time to find my teeth. I mean, if, if you've got that kind of prayer life, Pray for him to get rid of that problem over in the Ukraine. You know what I mean? If you, can, if you can get God to move on you like that. So anyway, I went to bed and... Okay, 
what am I going to do? I lost my hand. Like, she's not going to be very happy. I got to And I got a vision. I got a vision of where the teeth were. Yeah. And I thought, how did I, uh, I you know, how did I do that? I, get, I went up first thing in the morning, and, and I, I saw them on the, on the ground right next to the door. And I go there. I don't know how nobody said, they're sitting there on the ground next to the door. I remember Benny Hinn once said, I went down, I said I had all these doctrines of faith that, you know, you had to have faith in God who's going to heal you. And I go down and he, he says, I go down to South America and he heals this guy that had no faith, was cursing God, and all of a sudden he healed him and he said, i got to re-examine my doctrine. Some of these things might not work the way that we think. We got, you know, we kind of put God in a box. You know, whenever you want to consider that this plan of God is static, it's immovable, it can't move, I got a scripture for you. We have a God that changes times and seasons. And, and, and we have a God, a long-suffering, long-suffering God. You can come up with all your theories about a tribulation that's coming and it might be coming here and there and there. We got a long-suffering God that desires that none should perish. And, and he did in the days of Noah. Of course, he only waited 100 years. Because these things work the way that God wants to work. Okay, the next thing I want to get into is uh, look over in 1 Corinthians 14. And I'm going to take this, I'm going to admittedly take this out of context. 1 Corinthians 14.10 There are, it may be, so many kind of voices in the world and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I, not, if I know not the meaning of the voice. Now, when we consider hearing from God, when we consider God speaking to us, we've got two other, at least two other, but I'm gonna, there's two other competing voices we have in us. You know what they are? Well, they're found in the soul. Conscience and common sense. And those two competing voices look very, very much like God speaking. And those voices are not without signification. But if you don't get the voices right, you could be applying one to God when it's not God. It could just be common sense. I'll give you a good example of that. Back in the, back in the late... What would it have been? Late 70s. We had like 160, 180 people in Uppsala. And in the middle, of, in the wintertime, we had this, we had a big pile of firewood. And we had kids running all over the place. And the kids got into a snowball fight. And one of them had a piece of wood in the snowball and hit the kid. And it got a big lump on his head. So we all go into lunch. And as was custom in those days, four and 20 elders had to meet. Now, I know none of you can identify with this. Four and twenty elders are going, and there's a big hush over the whole tabernacle as we're all eating. What are the four and twenty elders going to say? So the door opens. And I still remember the person. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Got an announcement. 
God has spoken, no more throwing snowballs. <laughs> Even in those days. It doesn't get much crazier. Okay, now let me give you a choice. Was that the voice of God, the conscience, or common sense? Okay, now here's the problem, and, I, and, and see if you can if you can wrap your head around it. The problem with identifying with God said, God spoke, is that if God actually spoke not to throw snowballs, he would actually have to come and tell you we can take the order now. You, you follow that? Like, You put yourself in a bind. I know we've talked about this before, that there have been times where we've had counseling with people and all of us, and, and everything's going along fine, and we're trying to get the person to realize it needs to be an adjustment. And all of a sudden comes the trump card. Yeah. You know what the trump card is? God spoke. Yeah. Now what do I do? You just shut down all voices. Because if God spoke, and this is what Brother Buddy said. He said, you've got, in, in, these, in the years ago, you've got orders, you've got in your community. He said, the only reason you would not follow that is for conscience sake. And if there's a conscience can't get by that, there needs to be an examining of the order. Because yeah, I'm a firm believer, and even, even with orders, now, I'll throw this out there, you can do what you want with it. Um, this is my personal belief. That order in, in all of these communities is not a direct, thus saith the Lord. Order comes out of the conscience. That's why you can go to all different communities and find different orders, because it's the conscience of the people. Your conscience needs to be online with what the order is, whatever it is. And it's just, I'm just using this as an example. Because if God was speaking, then he'd be speaking the same thing to everybody. But it comes out, that's why you can go into one community and it's a dry community, because the conscience of that, that community has people in there that, are very, that their families have been very affected by drinking. Then you go into another community, and, there, and it isn't that way, because it's coming out of the conscience of the people. Conscience, conscience is a very important thing, but the conscience got it, has got to be led by the Spirit of God. Holy faith in a good conscience means that, and, 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 I, and Brother Buddy pointed this out years ago in his teaching on the conscience, that if you look up the definition of conscience, it's the moral, let's see, I think I have it here. Uh, a, poor, a person's moral sense of right or wrong viewed as a guide to one's behavior. That's the definition. I think it came out of Webster's. And, and even though, you know, Jiminy Cricket, right? Any of you young people know who that is? Okay, let your conscience be your guide. Conscience is not supposed to be your guide. The Spirit of God is supposed to be your guide. Now when the Spirit of God is your guide, the conscience will witness to it. There's a huge problem we have with conscience though, is because the way the conscience has been developed, by, by, it's been developed by upbringing, it's been developed by our parents, it's been developed by religion, that if it gets so cemented in your conscience, and this is what, you know, I've seen this with the Muslim faith. The Muslim faith identifies that what their leaders are telling them is God, 
It gets into their conscience. And when it gets into their conscience, they can blow themselves up in a room full of people because it's in their conscience that God said to do it. Conscience can be a very, very dangerous thing. Because they're not going to... They have to do it because it's, because it's conscience. Paul's got a lot to say about conscience. Why should I be judged another man's conscience? There's a, there's a personal thing that we have there in, 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 in morality that, and, and I have found this to be true, the more you try to talk to people of the world, that things that would affect my conscience in people of the world, they don't affect it at all. That's why I'm not thinking a lot anymore. <laughs> you know, somebody asked me once, uh, in the case of alternate lifestyles, and this is for the adults, so I'll keep it in a case about there, what are we supposed to preach from the pulpit? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, we don't preach anything from the pulpit about alternate lifestyles. I said, well, what do you mean? I said, as a church, we firmly believe that every member should be led of the Spirit of God. And if the church is being led by the Spirit of God, if somebody with, a, with an alternative lifestyle comes in, they're going to get convicted if they stay there for long enough. Because we don't have to tell them. We've got to let the Spirit of God tell them. That's so hard for us to do because we get into a, a work mindset of helping God out in all of these problems that are out there. When if you let, if you let the Spirit of God do it, that we don't look adversarial because what we want is the Spirit of God moving in our, in, in our midst. Mm -hmm. And there are things that we do today. I, there are things that we do today that were against the order 30 years ago. My dad, don't tell, don't tell Brother Russ this. <laughs> when we were in high school, we had flares and bell bottoms. Okay? All, all of you there, okay, flares and bell bottoms. My dad... This is straight out of the pit of hell. <laughs> I, I come home one day with uh, stripes and flags. I got a, an American flag uh, 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 flares that had, and, and not only, I mean, not only flares, they had that, they had another piece of, so almost a dress at the bottom. <laughs> I go up to the land. And my dad's wearing my flares. <laughs> hey, hey, dad, hey. You know what it's like to try to get Russ Bassel and I'm not going <laughs> to... Well, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Uh, it, it, it's so funny. And even in those days, I, I remember... Uh, I'm not uh, going too long away. I, I remember those days. I, I am so impressed with God moving on us when we were, but He was trying to draw us. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I was going to a party on a Friday night, and uh, I went in and I went to buy a new a new shirt, and I, I got this. Uh, it, it was a silky satin material. I don't know what what that is. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was bright purple. It had it had a dicky with. Button, purple button, like uh, gold buttons, and and big puffy sleeves, and I'm going to a party. 
Before I go out the house, my dad comes to me, and before I have, before I put the shirt, I think I probably took the shirt out of the house, went to find some place to change. But anyway, as I'm leaving the house, my dad said to me, he said, we were in a Bible study last night. Somebody had a vision for you. They saw you in a clown suit going to a party. <laughs> Of course, in all my honesty, Dad, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it kind of stops you in your tracks. Like, is God so concerned, right? He couldn't have described the shirt any better. And, and he got a word from God because some prophet was, you know, he tell John, okay, you know, this is how this is how concerned God God is is for us. And uh, so conscience, conscience is something that it needs to be directed. Now, a good example of that in the Bible is Peter. And Peter's conscience, he grew up with a conscience that said he can't eat anything. We know the story. He can't eat anything that's unclean. So he, he goes, and it's interesting where it, it, it uh, said it, is that he's, he's sleeping and he gets his vision and he says, Lord, I, he said, eat, eat this. Here, he brought down all this. Eat this. He said, no, no, I've never eaten anything like that in my life. You know, Peter probably thought, this is God testing me to see if I'm going to hold firm. Yeah. That's like Abraham. Thank God that Abraham didn't move with the first word when he said, slay your son, your only son. Yeah. He's got the knife up in the air and all of a sudden God says, wait a minute, stop. Yeah. That's a test from God to see if I'm going to be disobedient because that's got to be the devil. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, you're getting into that kind of relationship with God. You can hear God say yes and you can say God. And the next breath you can hear him say no. Right. So Peter, so Peter finally gets convinced and they, they come and he, he tells them all. You know, Peter never could get that out of his conscience. Remember Paul? Paul came to him. He's, he went and meet with them. With the Gentile. Yeah. Said, hey, Peter, Peter, what are you doing? Yeah. God called you to this. Because it was so ingrained in his conscience. You know, it's, it's hard to get something. And don't you try and don't don't try to get something out of somebody's conscience. That's why Paul is so, you know, when Paul talks about, I don't want to offend another man's conscience, what he's talking about is don't use your liberty to do things. In, in the sphere of people that can't handle it. Because if they see you, and, and I like Brother Buddy uses this as an example. He said, you know, there's a lot of people that respect me for who I am and my ministry. But he said, if I go into a place, and if I have a liberty to drink wine, and I go into a place and I know they, don't, they have an order of no drinking wine, if they see me drinking wine, well, Brother Buddy can do it. I should be able to do it. No, 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 no. The conscience is there for a reason. And until the Spirit of God is able to get into the conscience, through the working of the Spirit, you leave the conscience alone and, and yourself. Like, you leave your own, your own conscience alone. Now, the, the, last, the last point I'm making here is, not, is with common sense. Which, by the way, we could probably use a lot more of at times. <laughs> Now, 
I'm going to read you here Oswald. Oswald had a lot. If, if you studied Oswald Chamber at all, he has a lot to say about common sense. And I, I like Dan's reflecting on, on Adam because sometimes we get the idea that God is changing us from evil to good. That's not what's happening. God is changing us, and this is Oswald Chamber, God is changing us from natural to spiritual. There's a big difference because the natural is not evil. So that what he does is when he comes into your life, he restores your soul. He brings you back into fellowship and relationship where you can actually hear him. And what we all start off doing is learning what it's like to have a hearing relationship with him. That's why it's so important when we talk to our children, our young people, all those, to identify with them. I didn't know any more than you know on how to do this. It's a learning experience for me as well. So that I, oh, all of a sudden, well, that's the voice of God. Oh, that's the voice of God. I can identify with it. With it. But, you know, you can, and, and I've, I've had this happen in my own life, where you go along 99 times, you're hearing the voice of God, and all of a sudden, here comes one that looks exactly like the voice of God, and it's about ready to take you in the wrong direction. That's why we, when we close here, I want to say how we know that it's the voice of God, because what you need is a couple of witnesses, as well as fruit. Yeah. But this is Oswald Chamber. Common sense is not faith, and faith is not common sense. They stand in relation of the natural and the spiritual. Then he says, if, you're, if you are born again of the Spirit of God, you are the will of God, and your ordinary common sense decisions are God's will for you, unless he gives you an inner check. That inner check is the voice of God to you. Because we could be going, you know, and, and, and I, like, I like what he's doing, and he's bringing this into a realm where the sanctified, and I think John mentioned it yesterday, and again mentioned it yesterday, that we have to see ourselves as a sanctified person that God has sanctified, and that all everything that we're doing, we don't stop doing what we're doing. We continue to do what we're, what we're doing, but now we're doing it with a whole other emphasis, and that's God growing up a son in us, and he's going to use all of our common, common experiences to do that. So that a lot of our common sense decisions, as Oswald's saying, are the will of God until God says, no, stop. When he does, <clears throat> call a halt immediately and wait on him. <clears throat> Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may make out his will, not in your mind, but in practical living. See, if this thing doesn't work in practical living, yeah. it doesn't work at all. Yeah. We could be very deceived. We could be very deceived in coming to church after church after church after church and being involved. I mean, you get in these praise services. You'd almost have to be a dry stick not to be able to, you know, feel something. I mean, the, 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 the Spirit of God just is, is there quickening your, your spirit and, and, and drawing you into... Hey, do you like this? You can take this with you when you go. Yeah, right, right. How'd you like that? Yeah. But the problem is that there's so many Christians in the world that their whole Christian experience is on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning, and that's it. And then they leave it, and they just go out and do their, their own thing. And we're been a people that's been given a revelation that it's supposed to be 24-7. Yes. But it's a learning experience. God, I've always done it this way. Peter. I've got off, never done this. 
Well, you're going to change, Peter, because I want you to, what I call clean, you don't call on her. Well, God, you want to see a scripture? And I wrote it. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may make God his will, not in your own mind, but in practical living. God's will in, God's will in my common sense is not for me to accept conditions and say, oh, well, it's the will of God, but to apprehend them for him. And that means conflict. And it's a, it is of God that we con conflict. Doing the will of God is an active thing in my common sense life. Because what common sense will tell you is stay out of conflict. What God will sometimes do is he will bring you into conflict because he wants to do something in your life. That's why whenever we find ourselves in a situation where somebody gets sick or... You know, we've got, got a daughter that's got cancer. And we pray that God would heal. And make your petitions known before him. But God's doing something far greater in all of our lives. He's doing something far greater in Sister Kathy's life. And, and in my daughter Cynthia's life. And in anybody that's going through this. And what I have seen, and I saw this as a testimony from uh, George, George uh, Harris's family. Is that there were so many people who were touched in the family by what he went through. Because God, God uses things for his eternal purpose, and we don't know what that is. So we got to trust. We, 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 put our, we, we trust him, and, and uh, you know, we hear, uh, you know, my daughter, she said we were at dinner. She said, I got you know, she waited until we got back from Ireland, Scotland, because she didn't want us to have a bad trip. <clears throat> you know, you a little teary-eyed, mom and daddy got breast cancer in third stage or whatever it is. You know what that, that, that should elicit, elicit in us? Trust. The reason that God has this thing operating on faith or operating on trust is because he knows he's going to bring you into difficult, impossible situations that only he can fix. And if he does that, don't be surprised about the fiery trial that you just entered into. Because there's a purpose in it. Common sense says, get out of the purpose. He said, Oswald said, faith must be tested. Because it can only be turned into personal possession through conflict. That's good. That's good. And I'll give, I'm getting ready to close, but I'll give you another example of all three of these, of <clears throat> Word of God, conscience, and <coughs> common sense working. Does, does anybody remember Pat Sawyer? Sure. Yeah. She, she a precious lady. And we used to go to her, to her meetings, and I, I really liked the lady. And she, she said, uh, she said, I, I, I got, I, I started having really bad headaches. And she said, I'm a person of faith. I don't take medicine. Don't take aspirin. Don't take anything. And the headaches kept getting stronger and stronger. But I'm just going to believe in faith. You know what faith presupposes? That God spoke. Okay. Sometimes our faith is not faith at all. It's presumption. 
Now, God bless Pat, Sister Pat because she could hear from God. So she prayed as she said, God, you got to take this headache away. God, you'll never guess what God spoke to her. God spoke to her, take an aspirin. She said, this is echoing Peter. But God, I've never taken an aspirin. I don't need to take an aspirin to get well. He said, no, you don't. You need to take an aspirin for your pride. <laughs> wow! The amazing ability to hear that clear. Because you know what it just challenged? It was the Word of God challenging common sense and her conscience. And these things can all work together. So it's so necessary that if we understand these things are working in us, we don't always jump to the conclusion that that's God speaking. Even though God is speaking. Right? And so, and so what, we, what we end up doing is, is in, in closing here, in, in, uh, when I was sharing this one point, one place, uh, I, I only shared it twice. Uh, the question was, is how do you know if God's speaking to you? Okay? How do you know? 2 Corinthians 13, 1, you have to turn there. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. God's not going to do things. In fact, the Old Testament says he won't do things unless he reveals it to his prophets. There's got to be a couple, two or three witnesses. If, what, if you feel you're going in a direction, add God for a couple of witnesses. And you know what? Visions don't have to be one of them. They can be a myriad of different things. I know I was going... Uh, I was going overseas there with Brother, Brother Joe and, uh, uh, to Scotland and Ireland. And everything, and, and everything got put into order. Like, there were plane tickets that we couldn't get, and then we ended up on the same, same, same ticket. And, and all of a sudden, you see God ordering. And in the middle of that, my dad had that stroke, heart attack, whatever it was. And I've got all these people from the land very sincerely calling me, said, he might want to consider coming. And I, and I remember telling them, I said, you know, I have seen the hand of God ordering this trip for me. That as much as my heart would go, and definitely do not want to not be there. I said, I just feel to go on the trip. It was like, I, you know, when we were doing the Northern Tour all those years, and we were traveling, I was traveling 10 months out of the year. And I'll tell you how loving my God is. My mother, who was 92, was 92. I was there the day she died. And I thought, you know, I, I, I got there. I, I got there. This was the last time I was here. I got there. She remembered me when I got Johnny. Good to see you. That night she had a stroke. She didn't, she didn't know who I was. Five days later, she was dead. And I said, I said, you know what? I could have been in Haiti. I could have been in, uh, I could have been in uh, overseas. I could have been down in Dallas. I, California. You get a phone call. Now you got to, no, no, we got a God who will order things for us. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because he's got us in a hearing relationship. It's a personal relationship with us. Yeah. Okay? I want you to go, and then I want you to stay. I want you to do And then all of a sudden, he worked. 
Amazing, he can work everything out. I don't know how he does it, Joe. Because he wants to, he wants to encourage trust. Isaiah 55. So, so the one way that you know is by multitude, two or three witnesses. And Joe McCord ministered years ago. The more, the more important the word you got, or, or the more gravity, the more witnesses you need. You know, it's good. You can't, you know, you, you can't go without that. Isaiah 55, verse 11. And here's the other way, you know. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sing. And I, and I remember, Brother Buddy, we were, in regards to healing, and in, in regards to situations that, uh, uh, you know, look to be terminal and, you know, he says, you got to be, we, we were in the service, I think it was enough, so we were in the service and somebody was dying and they, somebody else went up and prophesied that you're going to live. Brother Buddy came and he says, they better have been hearing from God. He says, you've got to be really careful when you start prophesying stuff like that. People are not going to turn around just because you prophesied. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because there have been so many frustrated people, especially in the faith movement, that have yeah. been taught these messages that your faith is going to move God. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And then when it doesn't happen, what happened to God? Well, you're, hey, maybe, maybe examine your doctrine. Because we've seen people in our own midst that we've prayed for and we've so desired that they would live. <clears throat> and sometimes common sense is abandoned and we've lost little babies. Now, if God spoke to you that God was going to heal your baby and that baby died, what does that tell you? You weren't hearing from God. And I think, why can't we just be honest? Because what, you know, when you, you Peter, uh, Paul, how many people did, did Paul heal? Uh, you know, probably lots. Was it his shadow or Peter? Okay, but Paul, did Paul heal anybody? Handkerchiefs. Yeah, he's had handkerchiefs. Yeah. You, you can still get the handkerchiefs today if you want them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he gets to the end of his ministry and he says to Timothy, who's, who's got his... He's got a lot of problems, physical problems. He doesn't say, get a word from God, Timothy, and get healed. He said, take a little wine for your stomach's sake and you're off your infirmities. Common sense. You're sick. Take something for it. Now, and this is where Oswald Chambers steps in. That's a common sense decision. If God steps in and says, no, I want to heal, that's completely different because God can do what he said he's going to do. And that's why it's so, it's so imperative that we identify these voices that are coming because wanting somebody to heal that God is not going to heal is not coming out of the voice of God. It's coming out of your conscience or it's coming out of your common sense. And God is not interested, and I don't want to get too far, God is not interested in healing all of these natural bodies because if he was, pray for them that they would stay young. <laughs> 
Okay. Close with this. I'll close, honest, I'll close with this. Luke chapter 8. So I hope we see the importance of the hearing relationship. Luke chapter 8, and I'm just going to jump. Chapter in verse 11. Talking about the parable, he said, The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. In verse 15, <clears throat> But the seed on the good ground are they which in an honest and a good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit. See, it's one thing for you to have the word. It's another thing for you to do it. And then he closes with this. He says, They came to him, his mother and his brother, and he could not come at, at him for, for, the, for the press. And he was told, told him by certain which said, Thy mother and your brother stand without, desiring to see you. And he answered, he said unto him, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. So we've got a God who wants to get a personal hearing relationship with you. And then he wants to turn around and he wants you to experiment with what he told you so that you can see the fruit of it in your life. And what it's doing is it's growing you up into sons. Yeah. It's all in the plan of God. To grow you up to the measure and stature of fullness of Christ. And it's all going to happen because God has chosen to speak to his people yeah. once again yeah. by his Holy Spirit to change us into the very same image as we continue to trust in the word that he gave us and do it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. I think um, certainly sends a living word here today. And I Actually, all the messages have been very living and very, very pertinent. Um, I think living today because there's a, I feel like there's ample questions that we bring to the table. Um, but thank God we also heard that, that he, we serve a, a Heavenly Father that we have access to that holds all the, the answers to all the questions. And maybe some of us need to shelve our questions knowing that in time, if we follow on, um, we'll know. I, I felt like um, just listening today, the Lord spoke two things to me. And I, I, I'm careful about saying that as well. And especially when someone says they have the word of the Lord. Like who, you can't fight that. There's no way who wants to argue with someone when they say, this is what God told me to do. But you were talking about your dad, and I, I just was you know, wondering whether you should come back. And uh, I got a, uh, I didn't need it, but I got a reminder today that it was eight years ago, tomorrow, that my dad uh, passed away. And I was coming home from uh, uh, an appointment at Fairbanks, Brother Bill called and said, you know, your dad dropped and just hit me. Anyway, um, but out of that, and I felt like uh, I, I never got a chance to have closure, like, I wish I, all the things that come, I wish I would have done while he was still alive. And I felt uh, one thing that came out of that that was the most positive and maybe what, why it came was that the Lord said, don't let that happen to your mother. Like, and, and since then, I and Ron have been very vigilant and diligent to make the investment in, in my mom while we have opportunity. 
Um, that was something that came. The other thing that came, I was thinking, you know, the ample waves. I'm, I'm going to make this short. I know we've, we have a lot of things before us here this afternoon, but just listen a moment. Um, I think it all witnessed to us a variety of waves. And when you're talking about the heavy, heavens declaring the glory of the Lord, you know, uh, we live with the northern lights here. And all these years, um, we have people traveling from all over the world to see the northern lights. And, and they've never meant that much to me. But last Saturday night, and I, this came to me, why? As you were speaking, um, they really were phenomenal. You know, somebody comes out and they tell me about the northern lights. My response, well, you should have seen them last year. You know? <laughs> but anyway, um, they, they were red. When you see red, I mean, we see a lot of green, but like red. And then they were dancing, like literally dancing. And, and it's like, this caught my attention. It really did. And I felt today when you were speaking, like, for me, I mean, personally, to take it personally, that I need a greater aspect of liberty to dance with the Lord, what I'm seeing up there in the heavens, right? And, and uh, you know, you mentioned about a bush, God speaking through a bush. And now some of you remember what happened to President Bush when he was in office, right? You remember this? When he was in, happened to be in the airport and he, he, he runs into Moses, right? And he goes up to try to get Moses' attention, and Moses just keeps walking. Like, I'm not, you know, and he says, you, hey, this, I'm President Bush. You realize he just could not get his attention. Finally, Moses stops and turns to him. He says, the last time I turned aside to talk to a bush, I spent 40 years in the wilderness. <laughs> but in, in closing, there, it's the, was it the glory of, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to search it out. There's a need when, to turn aside and really uh, avail yourself to what God is saying. Like, because he holds the answer. And if we really will give ourselves, what was it uh, Abraham's servant said when he found uh, Rebekah appeared and he knew she was the one. He said, I being in the way. Like today, maybe the Lord say, if you want to hear, like put yourself in the way. Right? Put yourself, what's the way? What's you're giving God an opportunity to reveal himself. It's it's the answer is there. It's hiding frequently in plain sight. And and all he's saying, just avail yourself. Maybe the way for you is to listen to what somebody just advised you to do that you 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 put a wall up to, perhaps. Or, or maybe just doing the duty that lies the nearest. The next thing, whatever your duty that you need to do today, maybe you're dreading. Perhaps God can show you something. He, he, he just, he is so unlimited. And I say coming out of here today, maybe he's going to speak in, in ways that are contrary to what we think he would or he should. So sharpen up. Be, be ready for him to speak. So. Okay, we... Um, Sister Donna had something she's going to share. Maybe we'll take an offering. And uh, are you here, Sister Donna? You want to? You want to do that now? Yeah, come on up.
uh, those of you that know me, I've been around probably longer than anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't stand up in a convention, because that's not the order. <laughs> but I really felt with what Brother John shared this morning, the Lord reminded me of two things that I needed to share. And my family's probably heard it all, so I'm just... But one thing, when he was talking about God being interested in small things, Many years ago, when I was in Columbia, I injured my back and I had to come back to the States for some treatment. And um, it lacked a month, I had to stay there and see the doctor. But then I was went back to Columbia. And uh, my dad, a lot of you knew my dad, he said, no, no, no. Uh, I said, well, I'll just, I had been in Mississippi before I went to Columbia. I said, I'll just go be with Brother John and them for a month. He said, no, 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 you travel with me for a month and then you can go back. Well, you don't just tell Brother Sam you want to feel to do something else. I said, well, I really feel to go to Mississippi. And uh, he said, well, let's just ask the Lord if what you feel is of him. And I stand there and he called a prophet and he said, I have a young lady that needs confirmation for what she feels. Well, 30 minutes later, the prophet called back. She said, I saw your daughter Donna get under a bed and pull out a board and blow some dust off and it said Mississippi. Well, you know, it would have taken that for my dad to know that I was hearing from the Lord. <laughs> but it was one of those little things that God spoke. I've never forgotten that. The other thing I want to share with you, and I hope I can make it through, I go to a Bible study on Friday nights and the ladies that are there are all different religious backgrounds. There's Catholics, there's non-denominational, but that has not been the issue. We've been studying the Bible and have tremendous fellowship. And there's a lady there who from day one, um, I felt close to. And she had cancer a couple years ago. She's cancer-free now, but now she's facing another physical illness. And um, she doesn't feel to go and get special care. She feels to stand and trust God. And uh, so three weeks ago on Friday night, one of the other ladies said, let's lay hands on Dana. And I didn't even know these ladies knew about laying on of hands. So we all laid hands on Dana and the Lord gave me a vision. And I thought, what do I do? I don't know if they even know about visions. But I figured if the Lord gave it to me, I better give it to Dana. So I did. And what I saw is I saw a greenhouse. And all around the greenhouse were plants, but they were wilting from lack of sun and water and just didn't have much hope. But I saw in the greenhouse was one plant and it was starting to flourish because a man had gone in there and made sure it was watered and had the heat it needed and it was just beginning to grow. And when I shared it with her, she said, well, what do you think it means? And I thought, well, I don't usually translate the visions I see. I said, the only thing I can say, Dana, is you've taken a stand to trust God, and I believe God's going to give you special care. Okay, last week I went, and I went in, and Dana had tears in her eyes. She said, I have to share something with you. First of all, she said, do you know a lady named Judy Rich? And I said, well, I've met her. I can't say I know her, but I have met her, and I know some people that have gone to her. And I said, she lives in one of our communities. She said, well, she said, I have a friend named... Um, Lacey, I don't know the lady. And she, I haven't seen her for a while, but she called me a few nights ago and said to meet her for breakfast, so I did. 
And Lacey said, Dana, I had a dream last night about you, and I just feel to share it. And so Dana said, well, what is it? Lady said, I saw a greenhouse, and there were dead plants all around the greenhouse. And she said, but I saw one flower, one plant inside the greenhouse, and I heard the words, this plant is going to flourish from the roots on up. And then she said, I know a lady out at this community named Judy Rich, and I think you should go to her. Well, by that time, I had tears rolling down my face. I thought, God is so faithful to speak. I've never had, I mean, I see visions, but I've never had anything like that happen before. But I believe we're going to see more and more the faithfulness of God to speak in our lives. Just wanted to share that.